You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. The Christmas story continues. Hear these words from the Gospel of Luke. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God, the highest in heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what they had been told about this child. And all who had heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as had been told to them.
let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Remember when you were little and you couldn't wait until Christmas morning? The night seemed to last forever. My excitement and anticipation meant that I'd wake up several times throughout the night. I guess I still do that too. When I was a kid, I would try to discern if it was too early yet to go in and wake up my parents, and finally at 6 or 7 a.m. I would. I would go and uh, wake them up unless, of course, my brother had beat me to it. If it was the one day that I wanted to get up early. I didn't mind that the night sky was still out when I woke up just on that one day. Now, normally, I don't like the feeling that the night brings, especially when I'm alone. It's cold and lonely. My mind wanders. I suppose it comes from my childhood when I was afraid of everything. In order to fall asleep, I had to have every light on. My bedroom light would be out, but the hall light and the light downstairs and the bathroom light would all be on because I didn't like the night. I knew that nothing good happens after 2 a.m. And I'll be honest, I don't like it in January when everyone puts away their Christmas lights. I think that everyone should leave their lights up through January because it's dark and it's lonely and I miss the light once it's put away. I grew up in the suburbs where all of our houses were together and for most of my life I've lived in suburbs and there was always light. But when I was in my late 20s, my husband Mike and I moved to the town of Blissfield, which um, is five miles north of Toledo and five miles west of Adrian. It's a small town of 3,200 people, and it's known for its antiquing. The thing about Blissfield is it was surrounded by farmland, and all of our neighbors were spread out. The church that I served at the time was 12 miles north of Blissfield, and to get there, we had to drive through farmland. There was a big open road with fields on either side, which meant that in the winter, it was a complete sheet of ice, and there were all kinds of smells in the summer. Driving at night, you couldn't see a thing. There was no light at all. It was just a long road with only my headlights and animals running out into the road, the paved road suddenly stopping and becoming dirt with no notice or warning, and any source of light was miles away. I'd grip the steering wheel and feel anxious the whole way. In the light of day, I loved the small town life. I couldn't go anywhere without seeing someone that I knew. There was kids' artwork posted in the grocery store and the store windows around town, and everyone gathered in the center of town at the park when it was a nice day. But that all vanished at night. Darkness came, and so did the loneliness and the fear, because the night does that to us. Sometimes it feels like the dawn will never come, and it can be all the more poignant at Christmas. The light can be hard to find through grief and loneliness and fear and illness and injustice and war and violence and depression. They consume us and it seems like 
the light is miles away. And yet, sometimes, the night yields hope, like tonight. We come together in the night with anticipation and hope to hear the birth story of Christ, to remember once again the Christmas story. It's a story that's about night. Both Mary and Joseph were approached by angels in the night and told of the child that was coming, that the baby who would be here, the Son of God, the Messiah, and both responded to the angel in the night. Again, in the night, Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem. The journey that Mary and Joseph took wasn't easy. It went, we want to sentimentalize it, right? We think of them and the donkey, and it's all nice, but really, it wasn't. It wasn't a safe or easy trip. They traveled a rough road. There were no lights at all. There were robbers and thieves and wild animals, and it was dangerous and scary, and the only transportation they had was a donkey. The reason for their journey? The Roman Empire. Every year we recount this story. Joseph's family hailed from Bethlehem all the way back to Jesse, the father of King David. And so for the census, they had to travel back to Bethlehem to be in their hometown to be counted. What we don't realize is that this was an act of control and power by the Roman Empire the way of the Roman Empire to keep tabs on people. They couldn't just be counted where they were. They had to go back where the man of the family uh, had his roots. Now, this was the hard reality of first-century politics. The world was at peace, but it was a peace enforced by the Roman army. There was civil and political unrest. J. Ellsworth Callis writes, human life was cheap because the very structure of the Roman Empire was built on slavery. Throughout much of the world, there was little mercy for blind persons, those who were poor, persons with disabilities, or those who were very old. It was a world that hardly knew the meaning of compassion. It is into this world that Jesus is born. In the middle of the night of desperation, oppression, and fear, to a people without hope. The Gospel of John begins with these words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life. And the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. Jesus didn't come because the world was all light and bright and happy. Jesus didn't come because the world was getting it right. Jesus came, born a baby, because the world was in need, because the night seemed endless, because God's people were hurting and felt abandoned. God became human to give us hope and joy and life and to save us from the night, to give us hope. Hoffman writes, God enters into the night to sit alongside us. God refuses to dwell in the heavens above from a safe distance and watch the drama of human life play out. Instead, 
God climbs right into the places we need him most. And in that holy and luminous action, we find reason and hope. Back in 2020, there was a story in the Washington Post about Christmas lights. Kim Morton was home watching a movie with her daughter, and she got a text from her neighbor who lived across the street who told her to peek outside. Matt Riggs, her neighbor who lived right across the street, had hung a string of Christmas lights that connected his house across the street to her house. It stretched from his to Kim's. The lights, he told her, were meant to reinforce that they were always connected. Riggs said, I was reaching out to Kim to literally brighten her world. He knew his neighbor was having a hard time. She'd shared that she was dealing with depression and anxiety, grieving the loss of a loved one, struggling with work-related stress and COVID isolation, and it resulted in panic attacks for her. And so Riggs felt that Kim needed some light. He didn't expect his strand of lights to spark a neighborhood-wide movement, but neighbor follows suit, hanging lights, connecting light from one home to the other. They cleaned out Home Depot, and little by little, the whole neighborhood connected together through the lights. They were a physical sign of connection and love. Neighbors got out drills and ladders, and they stood up on their rooftops, and they got tangled in their trees, and they did whatever was needed to hang the lights. For the first time, there was a feeling of togetherness. The light had returned. The impact on everyone was great as they felt joy and connection, but the impact on Kim was profound. Kim said, it made me look up, literally and figuratively, above all the things that were dragging me down. It was light pushing back the night. There are many among us, many that we know, many who are facing long nights, in need of the light. More often than not, the light of Christ is seen through those around us, those who put up lights around us, so that we might know that we are connected. It's not just through Christmas lights, it's through phone calls and visits and help when we're struggling, it's through speaking out and standing up and caring for those who are forgotten or ostracized or vilified. It's loving before judging and offering compassion in all things. It's helping with the funeral luncheon and sponsoring families at Christmas and passing out food through the food pantry. It's giving to the church and to other causes that reflect our values and loving and supporting the children everywhere. It's noticing the one who is alone or anxious or afraid and entering the night with them, sitting alongside them. God came, the light came to obliterate the night and bring hope. We are both receivers and bearers of the light. We are not alone. We know that because of the birth of a baby who is called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And no matter how lonely the night may feel, we don't face it alone. God loves us so much that God chose to become human and live our human experience, to live among us and get us through the night. And in so doing, the night becomes lighter, even hopeful, and it brings joy in the morning. It's many years later, some say 33, that early one morning, Mary and some other women went to a tomb to anoint the body that lay within it. 
When they arrived, they found that the tomb was empty. At some point in the night, the body, Christ's body, was resurrected, giving us further hope and confidence that God is with us through the night and always, that God loves us so much that hope will always triumph and joy can come from the night. The other part about living in Blissfield was that the night sky was so clear. The stars shone so bright. I just had to look up and notice that the light was still there all through the night. That, my friends, is the promise of Christmas. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.